Our scripture this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by that lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please, come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, Her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was about 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders to let no one know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The word of the Lord.
Good morning. As Joe said, my name is Aaron, and I get to bring the word this morning. I also am fighting a bit of a sore throat and cough, so if I cough, I'll try to do it off mic. You'll have to excuse me a little bit. And if I don't shake your hand afterward, I'm not being rude. I'm just trying to save you from the plague that I've been working through this weekend. But we are into a text that I have come to dearly, dearly love. And I appreciate so much its reading with such thoughtfulness this morning because the text itself, the story on its own, has such power for us. It's just like it's saturated with life. Could you feel that? Could you see that and hear it in the text as it was read? These people who come and fall before Jesus and find transformational power in this teacher, this healer, this savior. The invitation for us this morning is to find the same thing. That you and I in faith would come and fall before Jesus. Laying before him our brokenness, our sinfulness, and discovering that he can indeed transform us, body, mind, and spirit. The gospel writer Mark has been after a a specific goal, a task so far as we've been studying our way through the book of Mark. Over and over again, and you heard it again at the end of this story, there's this lingering question about the identity of Jesus. Mark is very interested that his first readers, who would have known nothing of Jesus, He was very interested that they would come to see that this Jesus was more than just a healer or teacher, but that this was indeed God in the flesh. And so two weeks ago, Jesus announces that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, that he rules and reigns even over the special holy day which God himself had established. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm God. Last week, if you were here, you heard Pastor Steve talk about Jesus calming the storm. And at the end of the text, there's this wonderful little question embedded where the disciples say, who is this man? And what they're really asking is, could it really be that we're sharing a boat with God? Because they believe that only God could control the weather. Today, we see Jesus enter a room where a little girl has just died, and the family is surrounding them and mourning, and he just says to her, little girl, get up. We discover that Jesus, God in human flesh, has power even over death. He is the one who gives life. And so I want to invite you this morning to come and fall on your knees before this Jesus. And the story gives us such wonderful examples where we can find ourselves in the story. We have two different people who come and fall before Jesus, who come seeking Jesus' transformational power. And I wonder this morning, which one of them maybe resonates with how you walked into this room this morning, how you walked into Jesus' presence this morning. If you're a note-taking kind of person, there are notes in your um, bulletin that you can follow along with, and I'll have them up here on the slides as well. The first thing I want to point out from the text is this. The transformational power of Jesus is for all people. And by this, I mean all kinds of people. You might not pick up on it if you haven't read a lot about the the world that Jesus was living in, in that first century Jerusalem context. But we have here a religious leader, Jairus, the leader of a synagogue. And we have a woman who has suffered with a condition of bleeding for 12 years. It's very likely that her condition would have made her be considered unclean in her culture. So that she couldn't even walk into the synagogue, the church, that Jairus was the leader of. We have someone who is the head of the community, who is revered, respected, admired within this context and community. And we have a woman who's not even allowed to show up into the community. And both of them come before Jesus. And we're going to see in the text the relationship of of these two folks as the woman has suffered with bleeding for 12 years. And how old did the text tell us the little girl was? Did you catch it? 
She's 12. Now, the number 12 has a lot of significance in Scripture, and it could be that this is giving us a clue also that Jesus has come to restore Israel, which has 12 tribes. But we also see this linkage. This little girl, 12 years old, who lives in the household of Jairus, one of the leaders of the community, and this woman who's been suffering, bleeding for 12 years, at the feet of Jesus, they're equals, you see. They're connected. They're linked At the feet of Jesus, there's nobody better or worse, higher or lower. And so kind of the sub-points to this, I want us to dwell on this for a little bit. The first thing I want to point out to you is this. You're not above needing healing from Jesus. And we see this in the story of Jairus. Think about all that Jairus had going on in his life. He is a man respected in the community, and he would have had some portion, maybe some large portion of his identity caught up in his position, his job, his power, his authority. He's also surrounded by a people who, when he comes and literally puts his business out in the street, he falls down in a crowd and says, my daughter is dying. There are many people, if not most people in that crowd, that would have thought, this is Jairus. He's supposed to be a man of God. He must have really messed up if God would let his daughter die. They had this belief system that would have indicated to them that for this level of a problem to come to Jairus' house, Jairus must have really messed up in some way. And so Jairus, when he falls at the feet of Jesus, is humbling himself by laying out literally in the street, here's all my, my baggage, here's my junk, here's my garbage. And he would have had all the reasons in the world to never do something like that. But secondarily, we read a couple weeks ago about how Jesus performed a healing, a miracle in the synagogue. And how did the leaders of the synagogue respond? They start plotting to kill Jesus. And so Jairus is also part of a community. He has friends and peers who see this Jesus as not only a fraud, but a heretic. His friends want to see Jesus die. And Jairus comes and falls on his knees before this Jesus, open and broken and wounded and humble, willing to ask this healer and teacher, this potential heretic, to come and to minister to his daughter. What faith we see in Jairus. And I wonder if anybody this morning walked in struggling with that same thing that would have been true for Jairus. If you feel like because of your position in your family or your position at your work or how people see you at school or in the community, you've got to kind of walk in with your chest held high and your chin up and have it all together. And maybe even you're here this morning because part of having it all together in your worldview is showing up to church. But I come to church to get fed so I can feed other people, right? I've already got the Jesus thing figured out, and now I'm doing this so that I can tell other people about Jesus. But this isn't for me. I graduated from Jesus school, right? And I'm tempted into this all the time. It's so hard as a preacher not to read the Bible and think, okay, God, I know what I'm going to say to the people about this text. And sometimes the Holy Spirit has to grab me and go, what? I'm trying to talk to you, Aaron. Right? Not through you to someone else. I was at a worship conference a couple weeks ago with a team, and I'm you know, a minister of worship and teaching, and I was leading a team of staff. So it was very easy for me to be in that headspace of I've got to have it together, I've got to have a plan, I've got to be the leader when we went to one worship service and heard a sermon that just broke me open. The spirit was moving in such a powerful way. And I was starting to cry and trying to kind of discreetly wipe tears away. You know, it was tempting to kind of do the like, (laughs) you know, cough, wipe, move. And I didn't do that, but I had that internal dialogue going like, I'm supposed to have it together. I'm not the person that gets broken by a sermon. I'm the person that gives the sermon, right? That's such a lie. 
such a burden for, for someone to have to bear. If you're walking in here this morning believing that same kind of thing, if you walked in this morning with the world on your shoulders, like you've got to be tough enough for your family, you've got to be good enough for your job, you've got to live up to the title on your door, any of that kind of nonsense, let me encourage you to drop that at the feet of Jesus like Jairus did. You are not above needing the healing power of Jesus. I'm not either. I spent this week pleading with Jesus to bring healing to my body, but also to my spirit. Preparing to walk into this experimental Sunday and believing that the enemy might actually be kind of attacking us in different ways. And then I got maybe strep throat. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm right. I need this healing power of Jesus. And so do you. The battle is real. The weight we bear is real. And so Jesus gives us this invitation to high-performing, high-striving people to let go of that sometimes. To lay that all down and admit we can't be good enough, we can't do enough, we can't have it all together. This is what happens in the life of Jairus. Perhaps it could happen in your life this morning if you walked in with the weight of the world on your shoulders. But maybe for some of you, you're not Jairus in the story. Maybe you've never really felt like you had it all together and never felt the temptation to make other people think you have it all together. And instead, perhaps, you've got more in common with the woman in the story. And you need to know this truth. You're not beneath receiving healing from Jesus. I think it's so remarkable that when Jairus comes to Jesus, he comes humbly, he falls to his knees, but he comes to the face of Jesus. And he comes before the whole crowd and puts his business out there and says, Jesus, here's what I need from you. Because Jairus believed he was worthy of the teacher's time and attention. Jairus believed that Jesus would stop and actually listen to his request. The woman in the story has so, been so convinced by the lie that she is not enough, that she is dirty, that she is filthy, that she doesn't belong even in God's presence. She's believed this so deep down in her soul that she doesn't come and fall before Jesus. She sneaks her way through the crowd and sneaks up behind Jesus and reaches out and just touches the edge of his cloak. She reminds me a lot more of the people that I talk to sometimes who say things to me like, if I walk in the doors of a church, either I'll catch on fire or the church will. Who are tempted to think, you know, I, preacher, pastor, you, you don't know what I've gotten up to in my life, let alone what I've gotten up to this week. I know that Jesus works for people who are pretty good, but I'm pretty broken. And if that's your internal story, then you've got a good sister in the woman who came up behind Jesus. And don't miss what happens in the story. when The woman sneaks up behind Jesus and takes hold of the back of his cloak. And then she's kind of startled. She finds... She can instantly feel that her body has been healed. Her body has been transformed. And Jesus goes, hey, whoa, I just accidentally healed someone. Who touched me? (laughs) Which is just cool. I think that's cool. You should just take note of Jesus is awesome and can accidentally heal people. But he stops, and I'm, I'm conjecturing here a little bit, but I think it's there in the text. I think he stops because of what he ends up saying to the woman. He stops and says, who touched me? And if you're the woman, you've got to be totally panicked now because you're about to be called out and all these people are going to find out that this unclean woman was touching them. And then she got in the way of Jairus and his whole story and Jesus is stopping to go heal the important guy's daughter in order to take care of this business with this woman who doesn't matter according to the culture. She has to just be panicking. But she's bold enough to also come and fall on her knees before Jesus and tell the story and to to admit what happened. 
And what Jesus says back to her is so awesome. He doesn't just heal her in her body. He says to her daughter, your faith has healed you. He says to a woman who is believed because of her condition that there was no place for her, that her identity was outsider, unloved, unworthy. And he says to her, your faith has healed you, daughter, daughter of Israel, daughter of the most high God. He restores her in body, mind, and spirit. Totally transforms this woman who believes she wasn't even good enough to touch the edge of his cloak. And so if you walked in this morning wondering if you're enough, the answer is no. But that Jesus offers his gift of love anyway. That he restores those who believe that they have nothing to offer and he will call you daughter or son if you will come and fall before your Savior. The ground is level at the feet of Jesus. You are not above needing Jesus. You are not beneath receiving what Jesus has to offer you. The invitation this morning is to come to him broken and in need of a healer, a sinner in need of a savior, and to discover the life that is pulsing in him and that is offered to you. And how does that life come? How does that happen in our lives? The text makes this clear as well. The transformational power comes in response to faith. You'll notice Jesus doesn't like run through his internal database of Jairus' life and go, okay, sin there, sin there, sin there, but you're pretty good, so okay, Jairus, you can have a healing. Run through the woman's life. All right, I'm going to see what you're going to do. If I heal you, are you going to earn this? Are you going to do something with it? Let me run through that real quick. No, Jesus doesn't do any of that, does he? He says to the woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. And when Jairus' disciples, when his followers come, and they say to him, Jairus, your daughter's already dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus overhears this and says to them, don't be afraid. What? Just believe. Faith. Belief. Not doing enough, not being enough, not religious rites and rituals. Faith and belief. Now, there are times where Jesus performs physical miracles, healings and these kinds of things where the person doesn't have faith, but the overwhelming uh, consistent pattern in Jesus' life is that he will say, your faith has healed you. You placed your trust in the right place, and you're not doing anything other than coming to the right person, and he, he heals them. The rest of the New Testament is clear about this as it concerns our deepest need for healing, the forgiveness of our sins, and the restoration of our connection to God, our relationship with the Father through the Son. As it concerns this, it is only true that it comes by faith. It is only by faith that our sins are forgiven. It is only by faith that we are given the gift of Holy Spirit. It is only by faith that we are sanctified and restored and that we begin to become closer and closer to Jesus. It is not based on what you've done in your past. It's not based on what you're going to do. God doesn't assess whether you're worthy or worth it. When we come and fall before him by faith, those words are true for us like they were for Jairus and the woman with bleeding. We will receive healing in our souls. And that's true when we bring him our concerns and our cares in our bodies as well, in our mental health and our emotional health. It is through faith, trusting that God can and will do the restorative work he sent Jesus to accomplish, that we see these things come to be in our lives. But we have to admit it doesn't always come, especially these physical things, these mental and emotional things. They don't come right away the way that the forgiveness of sins does. 
So we see our third point this morning, and this comes up in the text several times as well. The transformational power of Jesus comes right on time. The scriptures tell us that as it concerns forgiveness of sins, that comes instantly. Today is the day of salvation. As soon as we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. And yet there is a dimension of salvation, this restoration of all things, the recreation of all things, the healing of our minds, our bodies, our spirits, that comes over time. Sometimes we see those victories in this life, but as we see in the story, many times it comes on the other side of death. The woman with the condition of bleeding had been crying out to God for 12 years, and then the day came when she was delivered from that condition of bleeding, but that woman still went on to face the ultimate villain, to to die. Praise God, the, the little girl in the story who had died doesn't have to wait very long, does she? When she hears those incredible words, Talitha kum, little girl, get up. The reason that we can come to Jesus, not just for forgiveness of sins, but with all of our brokenness, that we can come as broken people, body, mind, and spirit, and trust in the healer, that we can come as sinners and trust in the Savior, the reason for that is because we are a resurrection people. And we believe with our whole hearts in the truth that there will come a day for all of us when we will hear Jesus say those words to us, Talitha kum. Little girl, get up. Little boy, get up. And so we can face weeks where we lose loved ones as we prayed about this morning, believing that our loved ones who have gone on before us are hearing those words, little girl, get up. Little boy, get up. And it is not even just that our spirits go to be with God, but that the Bible promises us that there will come a day when we will experience resurrection and restoration, whole and complete salvation and healing, body, mind, and spirit. It is for all those who come and fall before Jesus in faith, receiving the forgiveness of their sins, the gift of Holy Spirit, and the hope and promise of resurrection. Jesus will say, little boy, get up. Little girl, get up. And so we place our faith in this Jesus, in God in human flesh who came to this earth to make all of this possible through his death and resurrection, who is here and present in our midst this morning who I invite you to fall before on your knees. For you are not above needing what he offers. You are not beneath receiving what he offers. It doesn't come because you do it right. It comes because of faith. And the full and complete healing will come right on time, even if it's after many years of calling out to God, even if it's after death. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are here amongst us this morning. I thank you that you give us this invitation to come and to fall before you. We all walked in this morning with different things on our shoulders, different lies in our hearts. And I pray, God, that you would make this time of worship and response a time where we lay those things down, where we can come open-handed and honest before you, be broken so that you can put us back together, confess that we are sinners so that you can save us. We would place our trust in your work, your hope, the resurrection which you accomplished and have promised us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.